it's been uh, it's it's evolved into something that I don't think is ever going to go away. You know, I've had other hobbies and I'll put in air quotes here passions that have come and gone. Uh, but woodworking has been around, you know, for about six years now for me, and I don't see it going anywhere. I just picked up wood turning recently, so I'm making bowls and platters and things like that from solid pieces of wood. Um, and that's something that I thoroughly enjoy right now. And it's really become kind of my, I don't know how else to explain it. It's like my safe space. It's where I can just go and retreat. Um, and I can turn a couple bowls in an evening um, and just be to myself and my thoughts. So most of the people that I've had on my show, and I've now I'm going to come up to about 17 guests, um, have, you know, their passions have been something that's definitely been a side thing. Uh, Jeremy McDonald, who I'm speaking with today, actually has a passion that he actually could turn into and is even considering at some point, maybe turning it into a full-time uh, vocation. Um uh, Jeremy's always been a maker, so and he works as director of education for Ozobot, so he's really into that that kind of space, and and has always had that um, that desire to make and create, and and I've watched him over the past uh, several years really grow his skills and ability in the area of woodworking to where he's creating some really really high quality stuff, and so uh, it seemed uh, very appropriate to get uh, Jeremy on and just uh, talk with him a little bit about his passion for woodworking and, and uh, some of the intricacies of that passion and just how it connects back to his, um, his work as an educator, but also as a family man. So enjoy my conversation with Jeremy McDonald. Sure. Yeah. So my name is Jeremy McDonald. Um, currently live in Logan, Utah. I've kind of lived all over um, Graduated with a bachelor's in elementary education and then ended up getting a master's in literacy. Ultimate goal was to teach little kids how to read. Um, soon realized that that my sarcasm was a little bit much for, for the younger minds. And so had an opportunity to move up to fifth and sixth grade where I kind of found my spot um, and enjoyed uh, close to 10 years of classroom time with uh, fifth graders. Uh, it was... Um, a very, very enjoyable time and had some opportunities to do some different things uh, to help uh, other teachers. So I went into instructional coaching uh, for a bit and then uh, became director of technology for a school district close to where I was in Redmond, Oregon uh, for about three years and helped with uh, kind of merging that idea of curriculum and technology together just so that we were buying uh, and utilizing resources that supported the classroom and not supported the network or whatever our our network needs, whatever it might have been. Uh, the goal was classroom first. So uh, then from there, uh, ended up spending five years with Sphero and helping grow their education, uh, both online and in person uh, from products to services and uh, had a really good time uh, working kind of on that other side in the private sector, being able to see how, um, you know, how they make the donuts, so to speak. Um, and then just recently made a shift over to Ozobot. So 
uh, Ozobot, same sector, uh, building little robots and programming tools. Um, but this was a new opportunity for me. The company is uh, now privately held and uh, they're just looking for somebody to help direct the education uh, initiative there at the company. So now I'm director of education for Ozobot. And at home, I have four kids ages 11, 13, 15, and 17. Oldest will be a senior this year. We have two dogs uh, on top of that. Uh, then married to my wife for 19 years here in just a few weeks. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of my quick bio. Um, I leave anything out? I don't. Well, you're. I, we'll get into it in a moment. Um, uh, again, there's an ongoing debate between the two of us whether who owes who money. I feel like you still owe me money, but maybe not. Um, uh, but I know it's interesting when you t mention your kids are 17 because I feel like I when I first when we first connected they oh, well they obviously weren't 17 year old this obviously but it feels like it's been it's been a while so they were little kids but now they're getting to be bigger so uh, life's busy yeah no and uh, um, you know I think our it's interesting as I, I have people on the thinking about sort of I don't I'm trying to think about where we first connected I mean I'm sure it was online but I don't remember kind of the genesis of that. I don't know if you have any context of, of how that kind of occurred. Um, I think it, you know, Twitter, which I think where most teachers at this point have, you know, made their initial connections years ago, back when Twitter was, you know, this thriving uh, community of teachers winning contests and, and all sorts of fun things. And I mean, I remember sitting on my couch into the evening chatting away with everybody. Um, I think as I've moved out of the classroom and 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 moved, you know, into the private sector and stuff, I found I spent a lot less time on it. Um, every now and then I go back just to see what the mayor of the internet has to say, make sure he's doing okay there, you know, Mister Mister John Pedersen. But uh, I well, think it's and, just... and I yeah, and I think I think if if I recall, it was again sort of connecting with that whole idea of I think we sort of. Uh, adopted the same sort of sense of humor and and uh silliness that not everybody not everybody appreciates or not everybody gets and so those people kind of just uh they and that's fine right they move on to whomever or whatever they else want to do but then those of us that kind of like oh okay so this person this person gets gets the odd joke here and there and we may be able to connect so i think that's kind of you know where it sort of starts that you find people that kind of uh you know, you relate to on that level. And so it's like, okay, so now you can, now you can have it kind of have these inside, inside jokes and, and uh, conversations that other people don't get. And I think to me, that's always sort of the special part. Like there's this generic idea of, oh, we're all educators and we all want the best for kids. And that's true, but it's very difficult to kind of go beyond that until you sort of get into the specificity of who we are as humans and sort of what is it like. And I know, I know you, you uh, uh, have a, passion for the Philadelphia Phillies, which uh, kind of is, I don't get why you have that. Why do you have, why do you care? You're a West Coast guy. Why do you get, what's the Phillies? How did that happen? Um, so I grew up, I'm going to try to make this short as possible. Grew up in West Texas in El Paso. Uh, we didn't have cable growing up, but for some reason we were able to get KTLA. So I grew up watching the Dodgers, which actually is the hat on I have today. That's kind of like my mecca of baseball because that's what I grew up watching. That's what it first introduced me to baseball. Um, but over the years, I just started collecting baseball cards and became fans, a fan of different players. 
And uh, a lot of my favorite players at the time were playing for the Cleveland Indians. So I became a, a big Indians fan for, for a good part of my adolescence, mostly through middle school and high school. Um, they lost, you know, several World Series, and that was really sad. But then one of my favorite players, Jim Tomey, left, I think, around 2000-ish uh, for the Phillies. And that was kind of around the same time. Uh, I think Charlie Manuel was hired as their manager. And I really liked Charlie Manuel and how he ran the game. And so became a Phillies fan. And I just, it was too late in life, I think, to change uh, <laughs> my fan, fanhood. Uh, so I've just stuck with the Phillies ever since and haven't regret it. And I love the organization. I love watching the team, even through all the ups and downs. Better than being a Cubs fan. Well, and <clears throat> Philadelphia has its own unique set of fans. It's just, it's just strange. I mean, I, I, I actually did have a, uh, a tenure of a, uh, of a Philadelphia Flyers hockey fan back when I was a kid <clears throat> because they were the standout team who, uh, like, they were fighters and kind of not, you know, they just, they just did hockey differently, and it was kind of cool. And, uh, and so, anyway, didn't, that didn't stick too long, but I still always kind of have Anyway. That's cool. But um, obviously the reason I wanted you to uh, come on here today is to talk a little bit about, I mean, I knew you kind of have this maker uh, mentality with you. you. You even made me a little money clip for the cash that you owe me that you haven't paid me yet, but I, you did make me a nice money clip one time uh, with the 3D printer. Um, but of late, and I don't know if this is a new thing or not, is you are just, seems like you're just, uh, you know, Bob Vila or Handyman, uh, Tim <laughs> Allen. I don't know what you are, but you you, you and Wood have uh, uh, formed a bit of a relationship. Can you talk a little bit about, like, where that came from or what's going on? Like, where, where are you at with that? Yeah, most definitely. So, um, yeah, I, I do love the idea of making, um, you know, taking something for, that's you know unprocessed and making it into something uh, functional or beautiful, whatever that might be. Um, I've I've dabbled in sewing even in my days of bow ties and whatnot. Um, made a lot of my own bow ties and things like that. Um, but I got into three D printing, gosh, probably over ten years ago or so, and just loved the idea of additive manufacturing and you know taught myself how to use various CAD software uh, to build things and. And for a while there, like, I think like a lot of uh, folks that get into 3D printers or makers, uh, you get into making a lot of tchotchkes and baubles and things that are fun and silly. Um, and then once I convinced my wife that, you know, I needed one at home, not just at work, uh, I decided, well, you know, I, I don't need to fill shelves with silly little cartoons and things like that. So I really put myself to building and designing things that were functional around the house. So um, I've designed all sorts of things from handles to cabinetry to uh, towel racks. I'm trying to think more functional things, um, even additional parts for the 3D printer, all sorts of things like that. And then we moved to Colorado, uh, gosh, almost six years ago uh, to work with Sphero. And we had the opportunity to build a home when we got there. And I was like, oh, man, there's a lot of things that I would really like to do in our home, uh, you know, once we move in, you know, built-in shelves. Uh, my wife loves books, and we have, you know, more than we'll ever read. But uh, so I wanted to build some special shelves where she could put all the books and everything. And so I decided, hey, I'm going to buy a handful of tools, and let's just get started. And I just kind of started dinking around. I uh, was never really into it when we lived in Oregon. 
actually kind of purposely stayed away because um, I have, you know, it's been diagnosed, but I, I, I have, you know, some ADHD or ADD and, and uh, try to regulate that as much as possible. But the folks that have, you know, ADD or ADHD tend to be hyper-focused when they have new interests. And I knew if I got into woodworking, I'd want to buy all the tools and spend a ton of money and, you know, end up wasting lots of materials and things like that. So I was like, you know, I have enough hobbies. I don't need another one uh, trying to, you know, limit the amount of money that was going out versus money coming in kind of thing. But I got, we got to, or, or to Colorado and, uh, you know, I bought a handful of tools, mostly kind of cheap bargain stuff, going to Harbor Freight, you know, getting some stuff at Home Depot and, and just started building stuff around the house and built some shelves. Uh, not my best work, but uh, it just kind of evolved from there to where, um, you know, the first shelves were okay. The next set kind of built-ins around the TV and the family room were nicer. Um, even the backsplash in our kitchen uh, was all handmade with maple. Um, I built like this mosaic type thing that was there and it just kind of, it snowballed from there, honestly. More and more tools then allow me to do more and more different things, even to the point where it became side hustle where, you know, I'm making and selling things for folks uh, or even working for tool companies. So I've worked with uh, Glowforge. They make uh, laser cutters, desktop laser cutters. They were a Kickstarter project years, years ago. Very successful company from the Pacific Northwest. Um, worked for them, helped develop some educational content, have a Glowforge now through that. Uh, worked with another company called Shaper, which is a handheld CNC. Uh, the Shaper Origin worked with them, was able to get, you know, my hands on one of those as well through that work. And so just, it was nice because my my passion for making things also was fueled by my, you know, my interest and desire to help others learn and grow. And so it was really cool to see those two kind of converge for a while. Um, and I just continue to push myself. I have a really good friend that lives back in Oregon that, you know, I talk to almost daily, who also is, you know, a on the side uh, woodworker. And so we're always sharing ideas, uh, talking about tools and stuff. And we kind of push each other with regards to our, you know, our abilities and things we're trying. And it's been, uh, it's, it's evolved into something that I don't think is ever going to go away. You know, I've had other hobbies and I'll put in air quotes here, passions that have come and gone. Uh, but woodworking has been around, you know, for about six years now for me. And I don't see it going anywhere. I just picked up wood turning recently. So I'm making bowls and platters and things like that from solid pieces of wood. Um, and that's something that I thoroughly enjoy right now. And it's really become kind of my, I don't know how else to explain it. It's like my safe space. It's where I can just go and retreat. Um, and I can turn a couple bowls in an evening um, and just be to myself and my thoughts. And if I'm having, you know, a rough, rough week, I know a lot of us uh, struggle, you know, with different things, whether it's mental health or whatnot. And, and it's just my way of going and just kind of decompressing for a bit. Um, and my family understands that my kids or my wife understands that. So if I just say, hey, I need some garage time or hey, I'm going to be in the garage for the next little while. Um, they understand. They know why I'm out there. I'm not just, you know, making to make, but also to Kind of get my head straight and getting me to a point where uh, I'm a much more uh, friendly member of this 
home community, uh, you know, around the kids and, and, and my wife and the dogs and everything. So I've just, it's really grown on me and, you know, continue to work on things. I've got commissions and projects that I'm always working on. Um, hope to start building some furniture. Uh, that's one of my big goals is to build functional, but also uh, inspired furniture that folks would have, would be proud to have in their home. Something that, you know, would be um, a, a centerpiece, whether it's a dining room table, a couch, coffee table, and tables, things like that. Um, that's a, a goal of mine, hopefully that I can get to at some point in the next few years. No, that's, that's awesome. Thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that kind of additional context. Um, you mentioned, you know, and a lot of people with their outside passions and, and you obviously referenced it in terms of, you know, being an escape, something that kind of takes your mind off of things and, and puts you in a different mindset. And, and for me, that's golf does that exact same thing beyond the sort of, um, you know, uh, mental health escape or whatever, what else does it bring you in terms of like, not just as an escape, but, but thinking more of it, you know, not that that's a very positive outcome for sure, but like just more about like, how does it kind of feed you, I guess, um, beyond just uh, a, a, a respite from daily grind? Um, th that feeling of accomplishment. I mean, when you make something and you hold it and it's done and you're like, wow, that actually looks pretty good. Um, and you could be, you know, relatively objective about it. I know we're all subjective. You know, our kids are always the cutest or our dogs are always the, the, the best. But, um, you know, I try to be very objective when I have a finished product because a lot of times the things that I make aren't necessarily for me, they're for someone else. And so I need to look at it uh, from another person's perspective as best I can. Um, so when I'm proud of something uh, from multiple perspectives, I mean, that's a huge lift for me. Uh, not only is it, you know, a confidence boost, but, you know, there's that that gratification or that satisfaction that you can get uh, from that, from making something, from being proud of something that you've done. Um, and, you know, in education, we all say, no, it's not about the end, you know, it's about the process. And I 100% agree with that because I've made so many mistakes uh, to learn to get to where I'm at now and I continue to make mistakes and it has to happen during that process. Uh, but if you never made it to the end, I don't know how many of us would actually continue with those things. You know, if you never finished 18 holes of golf and had that final score for the round, uh, you know, if you're only playing 11 or 14 holes of golf or four holes of golf, golf, and it's not really affecting your handicap or anything like that, you know, what would be other than maybe exercise, what would be kind of the point of it? So for me, it's, you know, regardless of how much, you know, material I waste, uh, or, you know, throw in the fire pit and roast marshmallows on, um, every now and then, you know, something really nice, uh, turns up and that keeps me going. So what's, what's the, what's the thing you've made that you would, you're most proud of either in terms of, uh, you know, overcoming, cause it was a difficult project or you just like, this was just a beautiful thing I made or, and there's all kinds of criteria for what how you would define it as your, your most sort of memorable piece. Um, I, I'll define it as my most important piece up to this point. Um, and uh, actually a, a common friend uh, that you and I have uh, lives in Colorado, uh, Dr. McLeod uh, Scott. Um, he 
saw some stuff that I was doing and he asked me to make a present for his wife. And so the fact that he trusted me to build something uh, that was for a family member, um, he even used the word heirloom. I didn't, I don't, I didn't want to quite get to that point, but it was something special, you know, and they have a, you know, this lovely garden in their home and he wanted a bench for, for his wife to be able to sit in the garden, you know, and read or just enjoy being outside. And so he gave me some parameters and then I, I designed most of my things in CAD software because that's just, I'm not good at hand drawing. So I got in there and I designed, took some cues from some benches that he had shown me, uh, tried to take some cues from the design styles that I most cling to, which is, you know, some mid-century modern type stuff and kind of merged it together to make something that he was very happy with. Um, and it took me a little while. It was new, uh, you know, styles and rails and all sorts of different pieces that had to all come together literally at the same time and be glued up at the exact same time. And, you know, understanding that glue uh, only has a specific amount of seconds or minutes to set up uh, before it sets up. And then you kind of are... Uh, uh, you know, you have to kind of start over with pieces and resand and all that stuff. So I learned some new methods from that, did some different practices, learned some things that I would definitely never do again when making something like that, uh, that would make the process easier. But in the end, I think, you know, I, I created a, a really nice bench, a gift uh, for him. Uh, that said, the finish I, I learned the finish I used did not quite uh, work as intended, and I'm helping him right now uh, to refinish it. Uh, so, you know, it'll be, it'll last him and his family a little bit longer. But um, yeah, to me, that was probably so far the most important piece because it meant so much to him and that he put his trust in me to make something special for, for his, his spouse. Uh, that's cool. So uh, <clears throat> growing up, there was a, a family friend of ours who he was a, uh, worked for the city, but was a, a phenomenal woodworker. And, uh, you know, we, we actually, when we first got married, had him make a dollhouse that was in the same kind of shape as the house that we were living in. We still have it to this day. The grandkids play with it and so forth. Uh, and, you know, he would make, do anything, cabinets. It didn't matter. He could do it all. And, you know, got to the point where he was doing this kind of stuff on the side. And, you know, I think people just said, Hey, you should, uh, you should do this full time. Like you could make a lot of money. And he did it for, I don't know how long, not very long, maybe a year or so. And just decided I, I can't do this for other people in the same way. Like, and so there's, uh, it, that didn't, it didn't mean he stopped doing kind of commission work, but he was just much more. And he heart, like he never Harvey, he charged whatever he charged, whatever the wood cost him. He just doubled that price, which I know in some cases was crazy cheap to get stuff. But there was just this, I remember hearing him say something about the idea, like, that's just too much pressure for me. Like, I, I love doing it. And I don't mind making stuff for other people. But when it became a job, it just sort of took the joy away. So I don't know if you've ever thought about that. And I'm, I'm you know, maybe not probably not considered quitting your job full time to do this. But like, how do you sort of strike the balance between I do this for me, and there's no pressure when I'm making something for myself? But I like doing it for other people, but I also, you know, there, you, as you kind of alluded to, like, you know, there's, there's more at stake when you're making it for somebody else. And so how do you sort of make sure that you don't get to the point where now I've added this, all this crazy amount of stress that I didn't really need in the first place? 
Um, that's a good question. I mean, I think I've talked to you about this before, you know, about, you know, you don't always have to pursue, pursue your passions as a profession. You know, you just, you can still be passionate about things, but maybe it doesn't make, make the best occupation. You know, it's not the best way to provide for yourself or maybe your family. And, and I've always tried to keep that in mind whenever pursuing something new uh, that I'm really, really passionate about. You know, I've thought about opening up a, a rapid prototyping company and finding an engineer that wanted to do something on the side and build up this business. Um, and that just kind of fell by the wayside because I was passionate about 3D printing and making things, but I didn't want to do it, you know, full-time kind of thing. I like that it was a hobby and that it still is a hobby. However, woodworking, um, I, I, I wouldn't say no to an opportunity to do this full-time. So I've actually... Uh, been able to work with a couple of professionals. Um, one in particular, uh, the name of the company is Artisan Dubois. They used to be out of San Diego. Now they're out of uh, Orem, Utah, but they build doors, just these beautiful solid wood doors that are in homes, you know, all around the world, uh, a lot, particularly in, in Southern California and, and up the Western seaboard, but um, just beautiful doors. And I've had a lot of really good conversations with Nick there that, that runs the company. And he actually apprenticed with his father-in-law for many years, uh, who came from, oh, where is he from? From France, I believe, who was, you know, a carpenter and a wood a woodworker over there for many years and learned a lot. Um, and I've learned a lot from him. Um, and he's kind of, you know, talked about that from time to time of, you know, he he's very in love with the idea of, of making things, especially from wood. Um, just the beauty you can pull from, you know, the grain and the patterns and things that people will be in awe of, that they're inspired by, you know, that they can appreciate. And I think that's really what drives him is making something that is awe-inspiring. When you look at it, you're like, oh, wow. You know, it, 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 it what's the word? You know, it generates a reaction from, from the viewer or the owner of whatever that product is. And um, I wouldn't mind doing it, honestly. Um, I've pitched it to my wife many times. I definitely think I could stay busy, uh, but you have to be in the right market. You have to be in the right place as well. Uh, I think Colorado would have been a better place to do something like that. Um, and so right now I'm kind of in a happy place uh, between both yeah. worlds. Yeah. So one last question. Um, you know, again, we, we talk about our passions partly as a break from <clears throat> our daily work. But at the same time, I, I, you know, I always wonder, do you think about how does this, how does the, your, your sort of passion for work, for woodworking and designing, creating influence your, you as an educator and as a, you know, professional learning facilitator and so forth? Or do you not, or you just sort of keep those two things separate? Um, I find it difficult to compartmentalize my life. It all just blurs together. Um, I've tried to. You know, I, I've worked from home for the last almost three years. And so uh, for the longest time, I, I was very resistant to it. And I always said, you know, I needed separation from home and work. I need to be able to go to work and do work and come home and be home kind of thing. But as an educator, you know, as a, as a former classroom teacher, you know, it's really hard to separate those two things. You know, you still come home, you bring work home with you. You can't help but think about the students or, you know, something that happened that day. And so I've kind of just learned to resist that, that urge to compartmentalize everything in my life. And so uh, I am who I am. This is my life. And I try to include as many people as possible in all aspects. You know, I don't want to 
I don't try to hide anything really. And so now as I, you know, become really passionate about making things and the idea of design and creation, um, I've actually had a lot of opportunities in my new role to help guide and direct and even prototype uh, new products and accessories and things that, you know, we've actually already launched since I started with a company into things that we'll be launching in the future. And so that's, again, that satisfaction of going through the process, learning, making mistakes, doing better or doing worse, making more mistakes, and then seeing that thing come to fruition. So I'm right smack dab in the middle of one of those projects right now and and have thoroughly enjoyed the process and have made a lot of mistakes, but I'm learning how to improve, you know, and become more efficient in that design process. So it's kind of all coming together again. Um, and I really like that. So with the company and its reorganization, uh, we don't have a lot of the engineers that we once had or the tools that we once had in, in, you know, previous offices and things like that. So for the first few months, you know, I was the go-to guy for rapid prototyping, you know, I would 3d print components, you know, and try and get things as accurate as possible. I was using my laser cutter for other pieces and different things and sending it off to a, another engineer who would put it together, test things out, and then adjust our files and send it off to our manufacturer in China to work on, you know, final, uh, final prototypes um, for us to evaluate. And so it's been really cool to be a part of that process now as well, not just in my own garage, but on a broader scale where I'm working with actual engineers, people that have gone to years of school and are being paid to think about these things and learning from them. Um, so that not only can I do my job better, but then also begin to think about or even rethink about how I do my own things, whether it's, you know, designing in CAD and 3D printing or, you know, making something out of another material, uh, something I, another passion I probably shouldn't pursue at this point, but is recycling um, uh, HDPE. So it's, uh, uh, it's, so the bottle caps from soda bottles, um, that's that, that's that type of plastic. A lot of your, you know, antimicrobial cutting boards, it's the same type of plastic. And a lot of people are finding ways to recycle those things and put them into functional, useful things, uh, instead of filling up, you know, landfills or, or bodies of water with it. And so that's my next thing. That's my next, uh, jumping point is to, be a little bit more resourceful with the, with the materials I have instead of taking uh, or making more. And so I just, it's all come from allowing these different parts of my life just to kind of coexist and, you know, cross paths from time to time instead of trying to compartmentalize them. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, if, is there any question that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you about it or anything else you wanted to share? I mean, I still have all my fingers. So that's good. Um, I, I created a silly little, you know, moniker for my, for my side stuff and it's called nine finger creative works. Um, and everybody always asks me if I have all 10 and I do, <laughs> and I just tell people the name is a reminder to be safe. You know, when you're working around all sorts of power tools that can either yeah. melt your face off or, you know, remove a limb in a, in the matter of microseconds, uh, you know, it's always literally always safety first. So. My, my son, my wife, uh, they've actually got into wood turning as well because it is a very nice. kind of cathartic, therapeutic yeah. process. Um, uh, and once you you hit your stride and, you know, the shavings just come off nice and smooth, um, there is a calming <laughs> aspect to it. And so my oldest son is very, very interested in it. And he's making his own 
bowls and things like that. And then uh, every now and then my wife will just come out and say, Hey, I just want to turn something. So I'll, you know, I'll just put whatever on there and she just sits and just fiddles with it. But again, it's just an opportunity to clear your mind and focus on one specific thing. Um, and so it's actually been nice to see my family come together uh, or, you know, parts of my family sure. uh, share an interest, you know, whereas I'm sure, you know, as a father, you know, oftentimes your kids are kind of all in different spaces, band, sports, theater, you know, now video games with my kids or whatever it might be. And so they always feel like their lives are, you know, going down different paths. Um, it's just kind of see to see those things merge from time to time and just share some of that time or share some of those, those passions together. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing. This has been a good conversation and good to catch up and, and kind of hear uh, the, the master craftsman that you are. Again, I don't have any, I don't have any of these skills. So like I can see anybody, I remember in uh, grade eight, I made a cutting board and I thought I was like, well, the best thing you could make. And so that's the extent of my woodworking uh, skills. So I certainly admire people that do what you do. Well, I appreciate that. It's, it was great. You know, I won't lie to say I was caught off. I was caught by surprise when you asked, you know, if I join you and honestly, anytime, you know, uh, you know, friends from, from before and whatnot are, reach out and uh, connect. It's always uh, a pleasure and something I look forward to. So thank you for reaching Absolutely. out. Absolutely. All right. Well, take care and uh, I'll be watching all the cool stuff you're making. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Thanks, Dean. All right. 